Welcome to the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. Today's episode is, uh, I would say, quite refreshing yet shocking. Um, we're going to see that Jesus is living the so-called pastoral dream. Uh, people are flocking to him. He's the talk of the town. He's popular. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what most pastors dream of. Yes. <laughs> so what will he do? He's going to leave town. He's going to leave in the middle of all of that. Uh, his strategy might not sell books, but we're going to learn that God the Son was all about obeying the Father's will and putting it above popularity. I think if you're a pastor or even a layman who is part of the kingdom of God, we need to ask ourselves, do I put God's will above popularity? So this is a hard-hitting passage uh, today, especially in this YouTube age, this age of everyone, everything gets uh uh, put on the internet or put mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So I know it's challenging to me. Am I doing it all for the right reasons? Exactly. So this is podcast 19 in the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. And today's episode is titled, Jesus Puts God's Will Over Popularity, mm. and is taken from Matthew 4, Mark 1, and Luke 4. Um, I'm Pastor Kenny Birch, Jr., Associate Pastor at Colmer Manor Bible Church, and I am joined by my father, a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. You didn't just attend, you graduated. <laughs> I did graduate. That's exactly. I take one online course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I attended 10 schools in Harvard and Yale, never graduated, but you graduated. And you're the author of the FIRE series and senior pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church, uh, Dr. Ken Bird Sr. So uh, let's get, I just want to get right to let's this text and do see it. how Jesus was able to stay focused on God's will and not be influenced by his followers. Mm. Um, Don't you think that's a problem in today's church? A lot of leaders are influenced heavily by their followers. It's more of a democracy. Mm. Uh, Jesus, we're going to see, is directed by a steering committee of one, his Mm. father. And uh, that's where we need to primarily get our direction to. So I agree. I think uh, many are off track because they're just listening to the voices out there. So uh, my advice is listen up. I would say buckle up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll learn from this passage. So I start in Mark 1. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I say this a lot, but I always, it's funny, just, you know, Mark, you're in chapter 1. Luke, you're in chapter 4. Matthew, you're in 4. And uh, Mark, uh, being Peter's gospel, is just right to the point. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is 135, mm-hmm. if you're joining along with us with uh, your, your Bible. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he being Jesus, got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Mm -hmm. So we talked about before what Jesus had done the previous day. Mm -hmm. Um, The day before, he was in the synagogue, and he preached with authority. That's right. People were amazed. Then he cast out a demon, first time that we know of, that scripture says. He then went to Peter's house and healed Peter's mother-in-law. Pretty busy day. That night, all the townspeople brought sick and diseased people to him. He healed them all. And they also brought those who were demon-possessed, and he healed them. So we assume after all this, he went to bed (laughs) a full day. So you would think he would sleep in and say, you know, I had a great day of ministry, but he did not. Uh, Verse 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. We see in Luke's gospel just said the next day, where kind of Peter gives us that insight because mm-hmm. he was there that it was very early in the next morning. Exactly. So uh, 
Jesus, as we see, was very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, his ministry is booming. And you think about it, he's a 30-year-old man who spoke with authority and had the ability to heal any sickness. Demons obeyed him. Exactly. But yet he sought time with his father. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this is when I'm always marvel at the God-man aspect, because mm-hmm. obviously the spirit was eternal, because he's eternally God. But yet, his physical body, he's still a physical man. And uh, there was no arrogance, no sin, nothing. Just, what should I do for my father? And to make it even a little more complex, it's, it's a team effort. Uh, contextually, you go back to chapter one, how does Jesus begin the ministry? With the baptism. Uh, the heavens part, and uh, the spirit, as John describes it, mm-hmm. uh, lights upon uh, the sun, so you have the spirit involved, and then the voice from heaven, you are my beloved mm-hmm. son in whom I'm pleased. So it's a team effort, and, and Jesus is connecting once again uh, with his father. And one other textual uh, note here, which yeah. I find interesting, if, you, if you're in Luke, I think it's chapter 5 and verse 16, it just says Jesus prayed often. Yeah. But Mark <laughs> captures here yeah. in chapter 1, his early morning conference yeah. call to his father. Then in chapter 6, when uh, he puts his disciples in the boat and he goes up on a mountain. He's praying. And then in chapter 14 in Gethsemane, almost strategically, if you will, in the beginning, the middle, and the end of his ministry, I think just showing how important prayer was in this quiet time with his father. And notice what happens while he's praying. What happens to many of us? Uh, Simon and his companions searched for him. Mm-hmm. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> Peter and the others are like, Jesus, where are you? Yeah, You're famous and the whole town's looking for you. I mean, I kind of think of this, if you're the pastor and the whole town's clamoring for you yeah. and your congregation comes to you and say, where are you? You know, everyone wants you to come. And then they're like, come on, come on back to town. Let's get back to work. And I think that's why Jesus's next statement is so incredible. He said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. And this is an important statement. This is why I have come. I bet the disciples' jaws just dropped. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, what did you say? Isn't the whole point of Messiah to be popular, yeah. to get the people behind him? And uh, why would Jesus leave this? Disciples did not understand this. But and Jesus this is, is yeah, if, if I can just throw yeah, in, because yeah. I'm, I'm totally agreeing with you. Yeah. He's the man in demand. Yeah. Uh, I, I looked at this and I went back and I, I took a little time on the word search. Simon and his companion searched. And it only occurs here. But the root is dioko, to pursue, to persecute, mm. to prosecute. Very strong term. Now, the preposition is affixed to it. It's even stronger. I mean, you want to talk about being a demand. Everybody is tracking you down. Just give <laughs> you the idea to pursuit. Yeah. When I find the words only used once in the New Testament, I try to look elsewhere uh, to learn more of the nuance, the, the depth of meaning of the word. Took me back to Genesis 14, and, and I love the story. Uh, Abram uh, has his nephew Lot captured. So he takes his 318 trained household oh, servants. I mean, story. nobody messed with him. Yeah. I mean, these guys <laughs> go out and, but they pursue yeah. uh, those who kidnapped uh, Lot. 
They pursued them. And then also the term is used of the Pharaoh in Exodus 14 after the Israelites um, depart. Uh, what is he? Three times it says he pursued them. So everybody is pursuing yeah. Jesus and he is truly the God man in demand. And that's what I think this makes us stand out so much more, oh. what you're pointing out here about uh, what his statement is. Yeah. And uh, I think for us, especially as pastors, this is such an important concept. Um, we don't have to do what's popular. Um, do what God's called you to do. Right. And I think that's why a lot of pastors find themselves very tired and exhausted because member so-and-so says do this, member so-and-so says do this. Exactly. And they're just trying to please all the people. And instead of saying, God, what's your will? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe I can delegate this. Maybe in this situation, they can take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, they do everything and then they're exhausted. Exactly. So uh, Jesus understood this. And I think we, we as Christians, we need to understand this concept. Mm -hmm. So Jesus understood the purpose of his life and why he had come to earth. And the question is, what was his purpose? We see this in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. So we have to give a little grace to the disciples. They don't understand this mm -hmm. new ministry. It's still, it's still fresh. Mm -hmm. It's still new. Mm -hmm. um, so the disciples' view of successful ministry was lots of people, lots of excitement, lots of praise. Um, and we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in that, too. Sorry that the light's flickering here. We, we will continue through that. <laughs> but um, so a lot of people think that's the problem. Where Jesus's view of successful ministry is simply doing the Father's will. And that's why in three short years, he accomplished his purpose. Right. Because he was doing the Father's will. And what was the Father's will at this point in his ministry? That Jesus would preach to Israel about the kingdom of God. Exactly. Uh, Jesus was not seeking fame yet. He received it, and this fame would ultimately lead to his death, which was God's will. And I, Jesus understood that purpose. It wasn't like he didn't understand this concept. Um, I honestly think that's why the Father had Jesus duck out a lot of times, because mm -hmm. I think if he got too popular too fast, would have angered too many people, it, it would have changed the whole narrative. So God's will was, you know, get out of there, <laughs> go do Continue your mission, but get out of there. So uh, in verse 39, it says, he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Uh, he didn't seek popularity, right. but he found it. And he was doing his purpose. Once again, we get to, back to the whole idea of identity. He's Messiah. Mm -hmm. The Messiah was to preach. Mm -hmm. He was to heal. And uh, he's just verifying who he is. Before we look at uh, Luke's narrative, anything you want to add? Yeah, just uh, the prophetic statement in Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, mm. O Lord. Just that Jesus is so in touch with his father that doing the will is contrary to the popularity of his disciples and the people. And, and biblically speaking, the majority is usually wrong, that's true. and that's why uh, I, you love the example that is set for us that Jesus just understands, got to hear from the Father, got to know what Dad wants me to do. Not to put you in the spot, but can, how, can you think of five occasions in Scripture when people were actually right? <laughs> exactly. You know, I think maybe with Ezekiel. Yeah. Um, maybe when, you know, with Joshua, when all the people wanted to follow. Um, 
And even though God said to Moses earlier, they're going to turn their backs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but usually the majority is wrong. Yes, exactly. And I know we've talked about this, but we have to be very careful in the American church. If we see everything as a democracy, as yeah. everyone has a vote. Um, I think that's why the church structure is so important that you have qu biblically qualified people who uh, meet the standards. And then those are the ones who are seeking God's will. And those are the ones that obviously support the pastor and all. And obviously congregation as a whole supports the pastor and so forth. Mm. But uh, I think the problem is you have Joe Schmo from the street who's in the church, yeah. doesn't read his Bible, doesn't pray. But then he's trying to put input on every decision, exactly. you know, spiritual decision. And he's like, well, my vote's just as good as the vote who, of the guy who's, you know, fasting, praying, and truly seeking God. So um, I think this is a good caution, especially in America. Exactly. We tend to model our churches after polit politics, yeah, exactly. <laughs> where we need to kind of step back and say, okay, what's biblical groundwork? Um, obviously, people have good input, but wisdom is advised. Jesus isn't the typical politician. Mm -hmm. What's the definition? Finding a parade and leading it. No. Uh, you know, he's not interested in that. Actually, he's, he's the salmon going up upstream because he's going against the current. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in leadership, if you do it right, you, you initially go against the current because it, people just, uh, they just think they're as important and they know better, or they're older or whatever. And it's just like, no, we, we yeah. have to have qualified leadership. That's what you find yeah. will support the pastoral staff, you know, qualified elders and deacons. And those that um, are qualified will have a unified thought yeah. with the leadership. And it just, it flows beautifully. But if not, yeah. you're in trouble. Not to get the pastors off the hook. They better be following God's will exactly. at the same time. If they're exactly. not, yep. they should get disciplined. <laughs> That's right. Or even disqualified in some cases. Yeah. But now in uh, Luke 4, mm -hmm. 42, it says, and this is Luke's account for my witnesses, when it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place, mm -hmm. but the crowds were searching for him. A little different. Mm -hmm. um, they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. I want you to notice that Luke adds that a crowd of people came with Peter and the disciples. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's a... That makes it almost more urgent. That's right. You know, from Peter, yeah. he's more focused from the book of Mark that it was just him and the disciples, where this is like, there's just a crowd of people yeah. with them, all frantically searching. Uh, we don't know the motive of the crowd, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. We don't want to make it out that these were just people just wanting healing, and mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. I, I believe many of them probably thought he was a messiah. Sure. So it's probably, as in most crowds, a mixed crowd. Mm -hmm. Some searchers, um, or I should say seekers. Some who truly embraced him, mm. some who were there because it was just a crowd. And what mm. is this crowd doing? Mm -hmm. um, so it's probably a mixed crowd. Yet Jesus states his purpose and does not give in to the demands of the crowd to stay there. But he said to them, this is verse 43, it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And I, this is kind of foreshadowing, mm -hmm. but it's interesting how different towns receive Jesus's message. Mm -hmm. um, looking back, before we foreshadow, we see that Jesus preached in Nazareth, and they, they try to throw him off a cliff and kill him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, he preaches in Capernaum, and they yeah. don't want him to leave. Um, however, 
I would say that the whole town obviously didn't turn to him Mm -hmm. because Jesus would later condemn them. We see in Luke 10, starting in verse 15, when he's giving curses, blessings, so forth, Mm -hmm. uh, instructing disciples, he said, and you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, in the context of Jesus' disciples, Mm -hmm. listen to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one, God the Father, who sent me. So uh, it seems like at this time, it's a lot more of excitement Mm -hmm. than true belief. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that's a problem? I know we also are talking about problems. The modern church has a lot of good things, but a lot of the modern church the American church, just speaking from our context, mm-hmm. uh, seeks excitement. Yeah. Don't you say a lot of it is an experience? Absolutely. A lot of people are seeking. They want to hear directly from God or they want a feeling. Mm-hmm. They want a, something tangible they can just experience. And uh, we're going to see that here, all these people kind of want an experience. And yet later Jesus will condemn them because they would end up rejecting him. Often people talk in terms of, oh, this was so great, or this was so... And let's be honest, sometimes life is kind of mundane. I mean, when we're doing our legwork, uh, studying passages of scripture, sometimes you're you're just looking up words. Now, granted, you have those eureka moments where you find something Mm -hmm. and you get excited, but a lot of it is just just doing your work, being obedient to what you're called uh, to do. Uh, one of my goals over the decade from age 60 to 70 is to become better at my Greek grammar. I'm on page 503 and I slowly am working through. And I, I got to be frankly honest with you. It's not like I'm going, this is so hmm. exciting. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I come to moments I have that. So I, I don't know. I think so many things are hyped and it's about a feeling. It's about hmm. an emotion and uh, truly you nail it. Obedience. Yeah. And and not the popularity is what we're called to. And that's an important thing. And people just need to stop mm-hmm. pretending to be more than that they are. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. Because for me, yesterday was a very boring day. It was yeah. uh, doing the scheduling and all on the church website. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not glorious. And if I make one mistake, I will hear about that one mistake from somebody. <laughs> you said this was this day where, you know, you talk. Um, it's amazing when you do, like, you can do 99 things right. If you do one thing wrong, you hear. But you have that spirit of, you take correction, just okay. For many years beginning of the church, yeah. I did the announcements when I was a young oh. man. <laughs> and I'll never forget, uh, one well-known pastor said years later, he goes, you know why we don't do announcements? There's no spiritual gift of announcements. <laughs> <laughs> I chuckled because it was always like somebody would point out that one little thing that wasn't right or that wasn't... Uh, uh, accurate that was given to you, and it was just like so. I'm I'm tracking with you. I, I joke uh, yeah. with those around me. Uh, if you want to know who's never done a PowerPoint before, it's the person who will correct you for your typos. Yes, <laughs> uh, and that is yeah. so true because yeah. once you've done it, you give way more grace. But um, just to make the point with the excitement, that's that, right. Uh, some things aren't exciting, but you're doing God's will. You're this is what needs to be done. Yeah. This is what makes things function. And sadly, a lot of people look for a spiritual high, and mm-hmm. then after that feeling is gone, um, they, they reject, that's they right. walk away, because feeling's gone. And that's why we shouldn't base our faith on feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we come to the final part of this passage from Matthew 4, 
23 through 25. And uh, I, I originally, when I taught this, broke this into two lessons, but it would have been very hard just to do a whole podcast on this. So mm-hmm. let me put them together. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus began to go over all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. There is what I would say a three-way ministry game plan, mm-hmm. at least Jesus's philosophy of ministry. Uh, the only like really biblical philosophy here yeah. is uh, go into a local synagogue and teach the people from scripture and tell them about his kingdom. Then preach outside the synagogue and tell people about his kingdom. And then heal all those that come to him to verify his message about his coming kingdom. So that seemed to be just his method. Go to synagogue. Then you leave synagogue, you teach, and then you heal. So. Jesus has a prolific ministry. This is another reason he needed to move on. It says in verse 23, to go all over Galilee. Oh. Josephus writes about shortly maybe after Jesus' time, but in Galilee, the northernmost region, 60 miles long, 30 miles wide. But there are 204 cities Ooh. or villages with no less than 15,000 people in each one. If you put that together, there are approximately 3 million people Mm. there. Uh, So he's got a lot to do, but again, in obedience to the Father, he doesn't get caught in one place where, hey, this is where I can get rich and famous, but he moves on where somebody might either try to throw something at him or eventually stone him. Because as we see, Jesus still hasn't reached the pinnacle of popularity in his ministry, far from it. It's still early on, mm-hmm. and he's more just popular around certain regions, um, which we're going to see at Mushroom soon. Yes. So you have groups starting to come, the whispers, they're mm. getting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and before all of Israel will start to give him their attention, but not at this point. Now, as he does this, we see from Luke 19 that the nation as a whole would reject him. Um, especially the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see this in Luke 19. As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it, mm-hmm. saying, if you knew this day would bring peace, what would bring peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. In other words, he came to offer the, them the kingdom. They rejected him. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. Then they will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst, because, and this is important, you did not recognize the time when God visited you. No little G there either. Yeah. <laughs> when God visited you, he, he's God. And uh, he offered, uh, obviously some accepted, majority did not. Right. Uh, but it'll grow like wildfire under the apostles. Um, now, Matthew notes how popular Jesus at this time is becoming. Mm -hmm. Then he gives a little uh, geography. The news about him spread throughout Syria. Mm -hmm. So they brought to him all those who are afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pain, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, I always have a hard time saying that, and the paralytic, and he healed them. Paralytics with an S because it's not singular. Mm -hmm. Notice that Jesus' focus was on teaching Yet most people viewed him as a healer. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, it's that excitement concept. If me, you or I had the ability to heal people, our church would be packed out every Sunday. Sure. And then if we would consequently lose that ability, it would go back to normal. <laughs> and 
And I think that's what happened with Jesus's ministry in a sense that uh, people loved all his healings, but when he went off the scene, went back to heaven, a lot of people probably dropped off. So large crowd followed him. Now, real quick geography. Um, he's way up here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. In Galilee. All right. That region. All right. I wish I had my map I could put on the screen, but mm-hmm. he's way up here. So then you have Decapolis, which is over here to the right. All right. Now I have to say where, because most people can't see me listening. Mm-hmm. Then you have Jerusalem and Judea, which is down south. Mm-hmm. And then you have and beyond the Jordan, which is kind of southeast. <laughs> so um, you have a whole bunch of people coming to hear him. Mm. He's, he's really starting to get popular. Exactly. Now, based on all of that, um, let's see what we can apply. Mm-hmm. Um, let's challenge ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I have three points that I want to look at with you. Um, Jesus is, this is one, Jesus's focus was on doing the Father's will. And I think we need to stop right there and just say, is that our focus? Is it God's will or popularity? Um, Jesus followed his Father's will, even though it seemed like foolishness to all those around him. However, Jesus did not care what others thought about him. He cared about pleasing the Father, even if it meant disappointing the crowds and hurting his own popularity. Jesus says in John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, mm-hmm. but the will of him who sent me. Um, and that should be an encouragement and challenge to us. A question are a question I need to ask myself. Am I like Jesus who put the Father's will above his own human will? Uh, obviously, Jesus had a will. <laughs> yeah. In the garden, not my will, but thine be done. Right. Um, and then Romans 12, too, and this is a challenge to us from Paul, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm. so you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And then a thought, who will come first in my life, God's will or my will? If my human will comes before God's, how can I change that? So I think that's something we just need to ponder. Mm. Um, And then two, Jesus knew his life's purpose and how to achieve it. Jesus understood that his purpose was to reach the lost people in Israel and eventually offer salvation to the world. Uh, we, We always understand that he came to the Jews first. Mm-hmm. They reject him, and he offers it to the world. Um, obviously, when he offers it to the Jews, the Jews would bless the world with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like he just shut off the world, but uh, it was to the Jew first. He understood his goal and accomplished it by preaching the good news of the kingdom of God throughout all of Israel. He had a game plan, and he followed it. And that's when we go back to Luke you know, 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So a question to ask ourselves. What is my God-given purpose in life, and what is my game plan to fulfill that purpose? Mm. And it's vital for us to understand Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. In other words, God made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So we got to find our purpose, and then we got to carry out that purpose. And obedience takes you there. Mm -hmm. When you are obeying the known will of God is communicated in the scripture, then the Lord will give you that specific direction based upon the big commands like the great commission. And then, you know, and once you know, you, you don't get swayed and sidetracked by everyone else. Well, I I think even when you look at pastors, I feel like 
all Bible-believing pastors who are in the Word, they kind of all have a specialty. Mm-hmm. When you kind of say that's true, think, like yeah. um, yours is much more on preaching, mm-hmm. obviously teaching. Mine, I really am fascinated by the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And I I, under, I think when you're truly following God, you're just drawn to things. Right. It's not like God shows up and says, hey, this is what I want you to do. Yeah. I think just in you, he draws you to certain things mm-hmm. and to use the abilities he's given you. Exactly. And a thought, can I honestly say I understand God's purpose in my life, or am I struggling to find out? If so, and this is what you mean by obedience, Mm -hmm. I need to read God's word, fast, and seek out godly counsel on what God wants me to do with my life. I think a lot of times we want shortcuts, Mm -hmm. where we don't read, we don't pray, but we want to have direction. That's when we get in trouble. And I I just, if I can chime in, I turn uh, 62. Uh, next month, and that's when many people are seeking retirement because yeah. it's one of the stages in Social Security. I feel like I'm just beginning. Yeah. And all I mean by that is because of what I've been taught uh, these 35 years in pastoral ministry, a lot of time in preparation for what God calls you to do later that sometimes becomes more significant as far as the outreach of that goes. And so when you get consumed with God's will, you just have the joy of understanding what he's called you to do. And you just want to apply yourself mm-hmm. until he comes back. And it's, it's, it's an exciting time uh, because we're delighting to do God's will. And I always, I want to say this lovingly, but I feel like a lot of the elderly, when they're finally getting all that wisdom life experience you know, beyond all of us, and that's a lot of times when they check out. Exactly. And I don't mean die, but they just check out in the sense of, you know, I'm just kind of going to, Go on vacation for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. Go here. Maybe I'll show up. I don't need to go to Bible study. I don't need to disciple anyone. You know, I kind of put in my work. Um, and I understand, especially talking with elderly, that you get tired quicker. You lose. Uh, it gets a little harder. But these are the people that you really want helping others. Exactly. <laughs> uh, those obviously walking with the Lord. You can have elderly people who can just teach foolishness too, obviously. Mm. But- I'm talking about those in the church. And, mm-hmm. you know, I sometimes look at elderly and there's some who are such encouragement. Yeah. I see some who are constantly discipling or mm-hmm. maybe just doing the outreach of they're not physically able to do much. So they write letters of encouragement exactly. or they're there for you. They're always trying to support those around them, be it financially mm-hmm. or um, just giving that word of encouragement. And, then I look at others and they just, they don't do a thing. Yeah. And it's like, um, why not? Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's very important that uh, you look at your purpose, doesn't matter how old you are, and uh, use what God has given you, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's the bad experiences too that help people out the most. That's right. Um, so, uh, and then final point, Jesus's ministry was about obedience, not excitement. Like I said, that won't sell books. That's right. <laughs> I'm not saying he was boring, but it was all about obeying God's word. It wasn't jumping around doing crazy stuff. Mm. Uh, Jesus went into towns, preached in the synagogues, taught outside of villages, and did many miracles. Once again, the miracles was to prove who he was. It wasn't yeah. a miracle for the sake of miracles. It was to say, hey, I'm Messiah. His mission was for his people, the Jews, to accept his message, repent of their sins, and obey his word. Um, and we saw back in Matthew 4, Jesus said, uh, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
and we see that many received his word with excitement, loved all the miracles he performed. However, many of them did not truly turn away from their sin Mm -hmm. and would end up rejecting him. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think of Matthew 13 and his parable of the different soils. Mm. And, um, And the one sown on rocky ground, that is the one who hears and immediately receives it with joy but he has no root and it is short-lived. Mm. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Mm. So uh, and I, I think that's the problem with our, our flavors of Christianity that's all about emotion. Um, they have no root. They don't have any Bible. They have a couple verses that they claim. <laughs> right. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit is working in me. I feel it. I feel the sensation. I feel this. Um, I often wonder, and who knows, is some of that just Satan's counterfeit, mm-hmm. you know, giving you that high because mm. he knows you'll fall away? I don't know. Um, but yeah, don't chase the excitement for the joy of it. Let the excitement come from really understanding who God is um, and, you know, just expressing in worship, but, you know, mm. in a way that is just pleasing to God. A question I need to ask myself Am I a person who obeys the word of Jesus? Or do I simply get excited about his teachings, but not truly follow them? This is a problem, I think, with a lot of, not a lot, but maybe some Bible college seminary people. They love the word, but they don't obey it. Mm-hmm. It's more academic. Mm-hmm. It's a way to teach something. It's mm-hmm. a way to be involved with something, but it's not application. Mm. And then thoughts. God cares more about my obedience than my excitement. How obedient am I to the word of God? So I think when you are obedient, you do become excited. Right. I think there's a natural um, passion that arises from following God's word, mm. but it's not superficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, was I faithful to Jesus's words or did I stray from them? What does this tell me about my walk with him? Um, anything you want to add before we uh, close up on this passage? Yeah, just a brief... Um thought I've been wrestling in my own mind for a while as a pastor, being at the same church uh, for over 45 years about, are we really committed to the great commission of making disciples, you know, finding a lost and training the found where we carry that not only unto death, but then we make sure that even in our death, we have God glorified. Mm-hmm. Quick example, I had a senior saint come to me recently, pastor, thank you. You know, we never heard about um, from a former church that this individual attended uh, about how to honor God in our death. You know, here's Paul. He's perhaps going to die. He doesn't know. He's in house arrest. He writes to the Philippians for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so Paul understood about making disciples and letting the work carry on. And just briefly in the area of giving, I, I was sort of appalled that over my first couple decades of pastoral ministry, the elderly who everybody loved the church, uh, when they passed on, they gave no thought to the church. You know, they, they so as long as they were happy being taught, but were they there to make disciples? Where now I, I think I've had four people in the last year come and say, Pastor, you know, thank you for challenging us with the future. I want to honor God in my death too, by even including the church in their will. And I'm going, I think people are finally starting to get that concept, why we are here, and that as long as we're alive, we need to be teaching and preaching, and even when we're gone, to have supported those that'll carry that work on. And just to speak to people who aren't familiar with their church, uh, we're not making the big bucks. Yeah. You know, we're 
We're not the church that's, right. that's like, leave us this money so we can, you know, yeah. go buy another Benz. Exactly. Um, I'll never forget. I was talking to my brother. This was a couple of years back. And uh, God provides for us. So I'm not worried. But uh, he was, we were kind of joking. And I was just talking how tight it can be sometimes. And he's like, uh, Kenny, you basically make a little bit more than a full-time McDonald's employee. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it makes you step back. But, yeah. you know, when you're saying this about giving, at our church, we really try to give to missions. Yeah. We try to help others. We're not enriching ourselves exactly. by, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So uh, we're doing this for the sake of the kingdom. That's right. And uh, and I, it baffles me. I think when I die, obviously, I want to take care of my family. Yeah. I want to make sure they're provided for. But I think before I go to, when I'm going to see my God, I want to make sure that, uh, yeah. uh, you know, he sees that, it, God, I love you so much that... Even though I'm dead, uh, this money is getting distributed, you know, to the to my church or to yeah. my missionaries, to those carrying on the work. Exactly. Instead of saying, "Yeah, I sent it to my uh, my uh, nephew who hates you," or yeah. God's grandson, or whatever it is, exactly. who's going to uh, squander it on who knows what, um, and just honor him that way. But um, yeah, something hit me just real quick before we end. I know mm -hmm. we're almost at the forty minute mark, so. Um, uh, when you were, it was Sunday morning and you were giving, I think, your pastoral prayer mm -hmm. intro. It was one of those two. Um, sometimes my mind's racing, sure. you know, yeah, racing, like, yeah, my mind, yeah. trying to think what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it was, uh, you were talking about, you know, we got to reach out to our own, you know, Judea and then mm -hmm. Samaria. But just thinking of our Bible study, when Jesus said you go to Judea, obviously that's your own region. So for us, like that's Colmer Manor and all. But then uh, when it says Samaria, <laughs> yeah. they hated Samaritans. They did. Sometimes we forget that. That's right. Um, that would be like going to a conservative church and say, you need to find the most liberal uh, people who hate God, the most woke, the most, you know, everything that goes against your religion yeah. and reach those people. Um, so sometimes we hear the Great Commission, we're like, oh, that, that's good. Yeah, we're going to yeah. reach close, somewhat near, and then far away. Yeah. But it's saying, whoa, you reach, you're trying to give the gospel to people who are totally opposite from yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, that, that really made me think. Mm. So I think that's important with our purpose. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed this passage. So, uh, but uh, that was uh, podcast 19. Jesus puts God's will over popularity, Matthew 4, Mark 1, and Luke 4. Uh, we'll see you next time. I'm I'm very excited. We're about to get to the Sermon on the Mount right. and a couple podcasts. I'm already crafting uh, how we're going to tackle that because there's just so much information. So um, first we have uh, the final call of Peter, but uh, I'm 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 very excited about the Sermon on the Mount coming. So all right, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you later.